or what is the reason for possible podcasting podcasting but don't know how do you want to make money from your podcast do you want your podcast to be broadcast on various platforms you have one single answer to all your question anchor anchor helps you to create and edit your podcast it shares your podcast across various other podcasting platforms like spotify breaker google podcast all you need to do is anchor this cannot record your podcast and anchor does the rest anchor the one stop podcasting platform for you morning welcome to another episode of history under your feet today is the jayanti of netaji subhash chandra bose it is impossible now to capture his entire life in one single talk because netaji was such a legendary personality himself a freedom fighter the leader of the indian national army the man who led an armed revolution against the british the man whom the british regarded as the greatest threat ever to their rule in india this talk is more to capture certain aspects of his life and his ideology netaji had been a born rebel There was this anecdote about him attacking the English lecturer at his college, who had made resistant derogatory comments about the Indian natives. As he himself said in a speech some time later, the principal called me and said, "You are the most troublesome man in the college." This rebellious independence streak in him, combined with this intelligence, made him one of the finest thinkers ever, and it also made him give up a lucrative job with the Indian civil services. and plunge headlong into the freedom struggle that was the time he came across his mentor deshbandhu chitranjan das an activist and freedom fighter as uncompromising and rebellious as netaji was deshbandhu had earlier quit the congress party due to differences with gandhi ji over the no council entry policy and formed the swaraj party along with motilal nehru Chitranjan Das Motilal Nehru were among the Congress members who opposed Gandhi ji's suspension of the non-cooperation movement in 1923 over the Chauri Chaura incident creating a division between them and those who supported Gandhi ji's decision Netaji along with Vithalbhai Patel was becoming dissatisfied with the tactics of the Congress party both of them favoring a very militant and aggressive approach Deshbandhu's death in 1925 saw a weakening of the Swaraj Party, and Netaji lost his political mentor. This, however, did not deter him from further action. Already twice mayor of Calcutta, he toured extensively in Europe during the 1930s, visiting Mussolini among the other leaders, and which influenced his ideology also somewhat. While Netaji was heavily influenced by the European national movements and thinkers. especially karibanti and mazini he sought to combine into it the best of indian political and spiritual traditions a fact resented by the more leftist counterparts of this he believed that most of the existing political systems in the west were already in practice for long be it communism republicanism or democracy 
What he looked forward to was a philosophy that sought to combine the best of Western political thought with institutions that were already existing in India. In his own words, Indian nationalism is neither narrow nor selfish nor aggressive. It is inspired by the highest ideals of the human race. Satyam, the truth, Shivam, the good, Sundaram, the beautiful. Again, Netaji did not believe in the one race, one culture kind of unity that was propagated by most of the European thinkers. He did not believe in imposing a dull uniformity in the name of unity that tried to suppress differences. For him, true unity achieved in respecting diversity despite accepting differences. The mosaic pattern as opposed to the standard melting pot model. It was precisely the same reason why he was opposed to the Russian model of communism. He was opposed to the communist ideals of internationalism and the use of Western laws. I guess one reason why for decades the communists refused to accept him. Also, the communists felt that the labor movement should not be linked with nationalism, but for Netaji, both of them were not mutually exclusive. He had his own doubts on the Kadi movement. As he had said earlier, it was while it was helpful for masses at a very subsistence level, once they cross that stage, they seek more gainful employment. He believed that more mass participation in the freedom movement was possible only if the issues that directly concerned them were taken up along with the cost of freedom. As he as he's put it in once, except stray cases in Bengal where, he took, where they took up the cost of Jude farmers or in Gujarat on non-payment of taxes, we have seldom been made, able to make a direct appeal to the masses. Netaji's impatience with the Congress party was not just in its approach towards fighting for independence. He felt it remained a party of the Bogeyas allied, far distance from the farmers, workers and youth. He spoke in a language that read out the youth of the times. He knew and understood their feelings much more than some of the birthies in the party. The major difference that caused a split between Netaji and Gandhiji faction in the Congress was over the call of a total boycott. Netaji felt that with the move of the nation totally for a boycott, it might not sense to insert into the councils. It was the best time to exert pressure on the British. He believed it made news, no use for Indians to go to the round table conference unless they were given full powers. He quoted the example of the pact between Britain and South Africa where the former had to agree to accept the South African constitution in full with no changes, which is what he sought to. He wondered why the British had to send in the European chambers of commerce, ruling chiefs, etc. when this was clearly a matter to be worked out between the British government and their Indian representatives. The differences between him and Gandhiji were too deep and when Netaji won election to the post of president at the 1939 Tripura Congress, Gandhiji took it as his own defeat. And with the presidentship post and with some very deft manipulations by Gandhi's client, Netaji was forced to resign from the presidentship post. It was a very poignant moment when Netaji suffering from fever came up on a stretcher to submit his resignation to the venue and to replace whom a man called Bulgaraju Pattabhi Sitaramaya, one of Gandhiji's close confidants who would later form Andhra Bank. One of the persons who strongly supported Bose was Pasampon Muthuramalingam Devar. In fact, he mobilized the entire South Indian votes for Netaji. Pasampon was also disillusioned with the Congress' inability to force the British to repeal the Criminal Tribes Act. He became one of the key figures in the forward bloc founded by Netaji. 
other key personalities being Kushin Nariman, Senapati Mohammed from Mumbai, S.B. Yachi from Bihar and S.S. Kavashi from Punjab. What Netaji did not believe in was a kind of false freedom that would only benefit the upper class and elite. He sought a genuine freedom that would touch every section of the society. To him, mere political freedom without emancipation of the poor, the depressed classes and women was meaningless. He was also influenced by the ideals of Swami Vivekananda and the Bhagavad Gita. He quite often drew on India's glorious spiritual past, its cultural heritage, yet he was not one to be living there forever. While influenced by European nationalist thinkers like Karipati and Mazni, with respect to a political structure, he believed in the spiritual renaissance of India. In his own words, India is still living in spite of her hoary antiquity because she has to become great again, because she has a mission to perform. What Netaji believed was in the idea of an India that would awake itself from its slumber and begin to be true to its potential. He wanted an India where citizens are awake in ceaseless activity of what he called the Alan Vital, a concept derived from French philosopher Bergen, which refers to the vital impetus that can drive us to activity in progress. For Netaji, it was a desire for freedom, for expression, a desire to revolt against bondage. Netaji wanted the people to study the ancient history, observe where the degradation took place. For him, all concepts like Diksha or initiation led to one end goal that was freedom. It was precisely his desire for complete revolution and freedom that led to his appeal among the youth, many of whom saw the Congress as the Bagaya's old party filled with old-fashioned ideals. To Netaji, the youth movement was not just another political movement. It was a holistic movement designed to fulfill the needs of the human soul. For him, freedom and self-fulfillment were two goals that had to exist together. One without the other was meaningless. Netaji had a phenomenal knowledge of Indian history and culture, an aspect that made him reach out to every region in India. Immensely proud of his Bengali heritage and culture, yet at the same time, he recognized the unique cultural synthesis of India, where each and every region drew something from another region. To him, though, India's salvation did not lie in living on past glories. He felt that if India and Asia were to throw the yoke of Western humiliation, they had to look forward and move ahead. He sought a revolution of ideas and thought. He desired a complete freedom where individuals could express and move, a freedom could, that could unshackle the mind and spirit. And now we come to the main question. Was the INA a failure? Now, in strictly black and white terms, the Indian National Army was a failure and too often Netaji's authoritarian control was blamed for it. As the saying goes, history is written by the victors and not the vanquished. Leaving aside the merits of both strategies and its tactics, if we take it on a broader level, the INA succeeded on many aspects. The INA was a shining example of how we managed to integrate the different communities of India into one. He went beyond the platitudes of Hindu, Muslim, Bhai, Bhai and unity and diversity. He actually walked the talk. Hindu, Muslim, Sikh, Parsi were all melted together as one and he actually created a pan-Indian identity. But more than military victories, the INA succeeded in winning the hearts of the people. Ordinary Indians responded in thousands to his call. People willingly gave money and they called to him. While all other political parties just paid mere lip service to the cause of women, he actually raised a women's regiment in his army. The INA failed in its final assault 
on Imphal because of their dependence on Japanese for logistics and the heavy rain, and also the superior air power of the British. But it was the later events that would show how successful the INA was. After the war, when three officers of the Indian National Army, General Shanabas Khan, Colonel Prem Sehgal and Colonel Kurbuk Singh Dilon, were put on trial in the Red Fort, the person defending them was none other than Jawaharlal Nehru himself, in spite of the fact that Nehru and Bose differed in their views. Both the Congress and Muslim League made the defense of the three officers a major political issue. The British government was so alarmed that it had stopped BC from broadcasting the story. But it could not prevent mutinies from breaking out in the British Army, especially the one by the Indian soldiers of the Royal Navy. Chennai, Pune, Jabalpur all saw the Indian soldiers rising in mutiny. The British often used the Indian soldiers as cannon fodder. They did all the dirty work were the persons on frontline in conflict and in many world wars, many Indian soldiers died fighting for the British Empire. Yet in ground for this, the British treated the Indian soldiers as second-class citizens and exploited them. It was Bose Indian National Army which sparked the uprising. Years later, Clement Attlee cited the revolts of the Indian Army as a major decision to grant independence. Britain already was militarily and economically weakened after World War II. It knew it could no longer trust the Indian armed forces to prop up its British Raj. So in a way, Bose contributed significantly to the end of the Raj. So was Netaji too utopian for his own good as often accused by others? I conclude this talk with a quote on what he said by himself and leave it to the readers to judge. Friends, I do not know if you will consider, consider me to be utopian in my theories or if you will dub me a visionary, but I shall plead guilty if I am accused of being a dreamer and I love my dreams. The dreams are to me as real as the workaday world is to the man in the stream. From my dreams I derive inspiration and motive power. Without these dreams I can hardly live for life will lose its meaning and its charm. The dream that I love is that of a free India, India resplendent in all her power and glory. I want India to be the mistress of our own household and the queen of our own destiny. I want her to be a free republic with our own army, navy and air force and our own ambassador in the capitals of freedom, free countries. That was Netaji's vision of India. And today, as we celebrate the Jayanti of Netaji Subhashchandra Bose, let us take a pledge to work towards the India of his dreams. Jai Hind!